This podcast is a proud member of the Paranormality Podcast Network. Welcome to our mini-sode review of The Conjuring 3. I'm Rob Basercha, and joining me is my co-host, David B. Jacobs. Unfortunately, Devin Shepard won't be joining us today. How's it going today, David? Doing good. I wish Devin were here, but meh, she's on vacation. (laughs) Everyone's entitled to vacation. I'm on technically a work vacation right now. Uh, Please stick around till the end of the episode for a sneak peek of next week's full episode. Today, we're going to be covering The Conjuring 3 which uh, hit theaters on Friday, which is June 4th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the official title of the movie is The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, so you guys know we're going to do a non-spoiler section at first. We will at some point discuss spoilers, but we will warn you when we get to there. So, David, did you like this? Yeah, I like this movie. I I was really surprised to like it. I thought it was going to be terrible. I am a big James Wan fanboy. He directed the first two movies, but yeah, uh, Michael Chavez, the new director, pulled it off. It, it it's it it looks really good. The cinematography is fucking great. What did you think, bro? Yeah, I kind of, I well, I mean, in uh, I I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but I didn't hate it by any means, and. Uh, it feels like a Conjuring movie. It looks like a Conjuring movie. There's uh, an appeal yep. to this wide depth of field. Um, there's very little shallow focus in this franchise in general. I agree. And to me, I, I think that's them kind of lend to the authenticity of like, we're not hiding anything. Except for maybe The Conjuring yep. 2, where there were a few scenes where they made real, um, <laughs> not subtle, real explicit use of why they're using the shallow depth of field. In particular, when he turns around and the ghost girl's behind him or whatever. But I, I mean, th- to me, these feel like kitty horror. They're like not not serious. They're not superficial. They're really silly. Um, the characters are like cardboard cutouts. Everything's spoon fed to the audience. Um, yeah, that bothers me. It, it feels like they're made for little kids. These movies. They're not scary. There's like no blood. I mean, to some extent, I wouldn't say to little kids, but like definitely there is an appeal to a teenage audience. I believe they're all rated PG thirteen. Uh, but they're 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 fun though. These movies are all just religious propaganda to some extent. But aside from that weirdness, I I I really enjoy them. I I am not against jump scares. Uh, if you haven't seen trailers or whatever, it's just quick summary of what happens. And this really happened, or some of it really happened. Um, a man killed his landlord and friend and then when he went on trial for it he pleaded not guilty on the defense that the devil made him do it oh he killed his friend too in the movie he only kills his landlord oh that's the same person 
Same person. Oh, he, uh, the landlord. Land, landlord is his friend. The landlord is landlord also is his, his friend. friend. Yeah, the landlord in the movie yes. is actually made out to be uh, quite a nice guy, maybe with a little bit of a drinking problem, but a nice guy in general. Nice guy, but kind of a creep, which I don't know if that's inaccurate. Uh, no. But... Well, no, no. Uh, it's actually, it sounds like he was more of a creep in real life. But uh, <laughs> the landlord in the movie, uh, the creepiness is explained away kind of in a different way so he actually wasn't being as creepy as it was perceived by the character that's true and that sequence is fantastic you think so i think it's okay uh the the murder sequence i'm like this is weird because this really happened but this sequence is freaking great mm. yeah yeah (laughs) we're just cutting in and out of what uh arnie johnson the the murderer what he's seeing and he's like seeing his friend is uh like harassing his girlfriend then we cut out and we realize that that's not really happened then we oh wait in, we're getting into spoiler territory Fred right now this is a, spoiler this isn't spoiler. yeah it is this it's is the spe- first 15 it's specific minutes. it's actually like a half an hour in the movie because all these movies are slow as dog shit but um <laughs> i one of the things i really liked about this movie that i thought did much better than the other conjuring movies is intercutting uh visions and just showing her sense of ESP and like demonic possession and influence, I thought it did a better job. And I thought um, there's kind of a realness to the demonic possession in this that was kind of lacking in the other films. Uh, they felt more visceral and in your face and like effective. And that was really cool. A lot of the films feel like two movies in one. The second, the second Conjuring movie does this the worst. It feels like there's the ghost house movie and then the demonologist and his psychic girlfriend love story. This one felt like the entire thing just focused on the Warrens and them dealing with the situation. That's very true. Um, I, I, I want to address your first point. So it's that, that feeling that this movie is much more visceral and much more clear in its demonness. Like the, the first movies is, a very slow build. It's you go like halfway through the conjuring before you see any ghosts or monsters. You just like see hands occasionally before that. It's not clear if it's real or not. Then the conjuring two, they kind of skip to the next part. It, it it's a little bit more in the possession, much closer to the beginning, and it's possession the whole way through, but nothing really happens. Then this movie just. From the get-go, you're just hitting the ground rolling. We're full-on possession. We're in the exorcism. This is the the climax of the first movie, is the first scene of this one, and then someone winds up dead. Yeah, yeah. And and in that regard, I think it's a very effective <laughs> sequel, which to me, I'm speaking of it as, yeah. as if it's a sequel to the second movie, which it is the third Conjuring movie, because I haven't seen the other mm. films. So I can't really yeah. talk about Annabelle or The Nun or The... Yeah. Oh, the spinoffs are like not uh, canon. What's the word? They're, they're not, not consequent. They are consequential. Canon. They're not they're consequential, canon, but okay. they're not consequential. It, it's like if they're, they're an awkward canon, like they almost yes, yeah. fit, but not oh. really. Um, and this director did one of those. He did right. The and, and all the evil toys are in one room. So whenever you see a movie that it's referenced repeatedly, yeah. I, I have a problem with. <laughs> the slowness of the conjuring series as a whole there's um there's the climax at the end of the movie where one one person is swinging something back and forth and i'm watching it with my girlfriend and you know it's supposed to be hot and intense there's all this intercutting blah blah 
but it just seems like it goes on endlessly to where this guy is swinging this thing back and forth and back and forth. And my girlfriend's like, God, this is getting yeah. so boring. He turned into a video game character just stuck in an animation. And I think that's indicative of the series as a whole. They don't know how to end a friggin' scene. It just goes on and on yeah. and on. And then- I don't have so much of a problem with that scene. Uh, I, I want to talk more about that scene in our spoiler section. Uh, but I do agree that the movie is slow in general. I think they could have cut out like maybe 10 to 20 minutes from the middle somewhere. And it would have just been a faster paced and more exciting movie that way. Like, th- there's a point where I'm just like, okay, so what, let's let's get going now. Let's get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that way watching um, all the yeah. Conjuring movies. I think all of them, uh, for what they are, which is a teenage ghost movie that you're supposed to take your day to, should be 90 minutes. I don't think there's a reason for any of these films to be longer than that. And uh, I, I also I don't care much for the Warren Love story. I mean... <laughs> they go a little bit into the backstory of, of how they met and stuff. And I got to tell you, it is the most boring backstory I've ever heard. There's nothing original about it. There's nothing interesting about <laughs> it. Is it is the true feels story like... of how they met. But no, it's no, I don't think anything about the Warrens is true, especially I don't think well, there's that, a single that, thing that... they say that you can believe. Absolutely and... not. But <laughs> that is how they actually met in real life. That is how they met. I, uh, but I'm sure <laughs> when they explain it, it feels a little bit more interesting than the way the movie did it. Like, Jesus, man. And I'm sure the real version of it was much less romantic than the movie makes that. Well, that would have been kind of interesting. But it's just <laughs> the most boring date I've ever heard of. I, I don't want to go. I, I want people to watch it because it's like. <laughs> I mean, I I so, think that just if you're going to watch a Conjuring movie, then. The country movies are love stories. They are love movies. It is about the romance between the couple. And that's been a big part of all three movies. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. But that's what the movie is. And I th- that's what's what it is. And I think you have to take the movie on its own terms. On its own terms is this is a love story with ghosts. Yeah, but they should cut that out because the love story aspect is the worst part of all three movies. Because the characters are uninteresting. They're just... <laughs> They're, I mean, they're just they're just two extremely pious individuals, which in reality check at real life, they're not. No, not at all. <laughs> who have no hiccups within the relationship. There, there's no tension in the relationship. Yeah, I see what you're saying. There's not even like sparks and whistles to to kind of like <laughs> distract you from how boring the relationship is. There is something nice about seeing just like a healthy fictional romantic relationship on screen but i do agree like i mean yeah it's there there isn't we're, we're never going to wonder if they will ever break up it was it was written in lorraine warren's contract when she sold the rights that are not allowed to show anything like that mm, i understand considering they weren't yeah. allowed i also yeah. feel like none of the characters in this movie are interesting at all none of them have any kind of personality um yeah i agree with that I really like, I know you didn't like The Conjuring 2, but the reason that one is my favorite of the three is that I felt that the characters were actually interesting. Uh, the family in the first one, though, is also just really They, they are really bland. They are. You're right. They're really bland for the most part, except for the little daughter. She has a little bit of personality. And the kids as a whole in the first movie do interesting things. 
like they they have little games that separate themselves. They yeah, this, that's true. You know, hide and clap thing. So just by them doing something, like as an audience member viewing, I infer some sort of creativity onto the character. Yeah. Therefore, I infer some sort of like depth. I think the first one I just reflect. Had... I project. I don't. What's the right word? I project Jack, some yeah. sort of depth onto them. I think the first one just had too many characters to really flesh them out better. This one doesn't have that excuse. This one has like three people. Like. No, you, you could have given them more personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the only depth is Ed and Lorraine, <laughs> and, and like we said, they have no depth by by contract. To the and the entire... villain. Well, the yeah. villain doesn't have depth. I like the villain. I, I like the villain too, but the villain... The, the villain is the best villain of the series. Yeah, I don't know. I like the villain in the first one, actually. <laughs> uh, I just think she's scary. I, I don't. I, I think Bathsheba's... I think... I don't think she's, I think she's the most generic horror villain possible. That sort of thing. It's like, oh, Ghost Witch. I think the Ghost Witch is villain. cool, how she shows up hanging and all kinds um, of And also, uh, witch trials were a fucking fraud. Oh, they were. They were. <laughs> it, 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 active, it actively annoys me more in the first one that, like, we're pretending that the witch trials were legitimate so that we can have a quote-unquote creepy okay <laughs> so so back to the my, my problem with the characters so arnie for instance has zero personality whatsoever i know nothing about this guy except he's nice he's just a nice and guy here's why i think he has no personality in the other movies the real stories are adapting no one died with this guy he fucking killed someone we've got to focus on something else so they like he's in the movie, but he they kind of just gloss over him like, oh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. He was possessed, blah, blah, blah. Supernatural. Uh, OK, now let, let's go do something else now. Hmm. But he has <laughs> a lot of screen time. And I think there's he so does. much there's so much dead space in these films. Like there will be a person on there and it'll be a really nice composed image where like people are kind of meandering in the background. But but nothing happens. Nothing's conveyed to the audience. Yeah. So so. For me, the only interesting character is the landlord, uh, Bruno. Oh, really? Yeah, because <laughs> he has like he has like two scenes, but within that scene, I learn a lot of information about this guy. That you know, he he doesn't know how to take care of dogs. He's letting these people stay in his house for free. Um, he has a drink. Uh, I, I'm I'm explaining too much about the character, but he's he's might only be in two or three scenes of the movie. But he says a lot of different things about him. And you're like, wow, there's actually a lot going on with this guy. I don't know if I like him. I'm not sure if I don't like him. He's kind of interesting. And then the plot line of the movie goes through. So I think here we're at a point where I've said a lot of things I like about the movie and probably more things I don't like about the movie. And you've conveyed uh, your own likes and dislikes, correct? Yeah. What do you think? What's your review? One out of four bones. What do you think? I think I would give it two and a half bones. It's interesting because the tone is more balls to the walls than the previous movies. It makes it almost disconnect more from the reality of the situation, and I don't know if I like that or dislike that, but it, it is a choice. And they make that choice, and they commit to that choice, and I like that it's not just the same thing as the first two movies. I like that it does do something different. And like I said, the villain is the best villain of the franchise. So for me, I, I've been on the fence between a bone and a half and two bones. Because part of me does think this movie's okay. But part of me really doesn't like it very much. And I think there's so many problems with it. And I think it's indicative of just, just how bland and boring movies are allowed to be. 
today. And I and I don't think they should be allowed to be that bad. We should hold them accountable. They shouldn't be allowed to have characters this paper thin. No. And I mean I mean as as audience members. Sorry, that was just so funny. We we should no, it's true. We we, we we shouldn't accept being spoon fed exposition. We shouldn't accept them showing things happen on screen and then them telling us what happened when we're watching it. Because that the symbolic nature of film is unnecessary if you're just going to tell me what happens. Show it to me and it will happen. And and then I'll, I'll, I'll convey a meaning from it. But when you explain it to me, not only are you cutting off my ability to convey a meaning out of it, but I'm becoming an even more passive audience member. And I'm not happy about that, you know? Also, they go on for way too long. They're so boring. At the same time, there were things I liked that were just kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to give it a bone and a half. Okay. I think it's mostly a bad movie. All right. Uh, <laughs> shall we get into some spoilers? This is spoiler territory now. So if you guys haven't seen the film yet and you just wanted to hear a review, we're done now and uh, turn off. But if you have seen it or you don't care, keep listening. We're going to get into the nitty gritty details of the film and the backstory that inspired it's it's when Ed is getting possessed, except for the ending. I mean, that was stupid because he swings the fucking sledgehammer back and forth <laughs> in the same way. Very obviously not trying to really hit his wife like a video game character for like five minutes. It's stupid. But there's a they're, they're in a morgue and Lorraine is holding the hand of a missing woman they found in a river that she oh, found. And, and she connects with the Satanist. This is actually the best scene of the movie. I think. Definitely. She connects and she sees the Satanist girl and then the Satanist girl can see her. And you're like, oh shit. Like yeah. this is a psychic fucking standoff. <laughs> but while that's happening, Ed somehow gets pulled into this psychic web. I think because it's when the demon that was summoned starts to get its hold on his personality and possess him. And he yep. uh, actually imagines a corpse. Oh, wait. So was that up. corpse not that corpse wasn't even real in that scene. I'm just now realizing that. No, no, no. Although it's implied at the end of the scene it is cuz it falls on the ground, right? Isn't that really happened? Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't think it's clear. It's very unclear. They really like stop pretending that they're adapting the truth at some point in this movie. They're just like, "Oh, we're just we're just making up characters so we can increase the body count now." Like cool <laughs> yeah which yeah. is great i love that because finally it's a conjuring movie with actual consequences people can die because we made up characters who are allowed to die uh, <laughs> yeah that, I, i'm so glad you said that because that's that's one of the things i like about this movie i felt like there were actual stakes yes i felt like people could die because uh, because all of a sudden there's a big heavy fat zombie post uh <laughs> autopsy running at him full speed and i was like shit that's awesome I know. you know that was so <laughs> and it looked it actually looked scary and cool which um the possessed people i felt like never looked that scary in the conjuring movies they look they're all like cgi'd out and they're just not creepy they just have you. white eyes they look like deadites from uh evil dead <laughs> except not scary yeah i agree with you that's also why i didn't think Bathsheba was scary because I thought that her makeup job was just generic. Yeah. I think this is the first movie in the franchise, including the spinoffs, with a human villain. And I love that. She's not deep. She doesn't have a lot of motivation or whatever. But she's more interesting mm -hmm. and the, the actor portraying her did a great job and is just like so creepy. And I love this. <laughs> she, she actually, I thought, had a pretty cool backstory. Oh which, my uh, god, yeah. I want to talk about it was not explored even really a little bit. It was just told to you in exposition. 
Um, but yeah, she the actress looked really cool who played her. We mentioned earlier how Sterling, who played their daughter, Judy, is barely in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually a detriment to the film because so much of it is mm-hmm. about how this is coming back and affecting them and their lives. And like that, that should be Judy. Judy is the, always the thing in the movies where, oh, it's going to affect them now. Their daughter's in danger. And they just drop that in this one, especially because the villain of this movie is this guy's daughter who was corrupted by all the shit that he has left around the house. Yeah, I, it's it's a complete parallel. I know, and they just don't use uh, it. Like, the, uh. he, he even uses the same lines to the Warrens family <laughs> when they enter his hid room. Oh, I feel like they're better locked up in here than uh, out in the world, right? It's the line. Yeah. W- which is the same line verbatim that uh, the Warrens told, or Ed Warren told the investigator, or the journalist who was uh, looking at his room the first time the room is uh, shown to the audience in this in the franchise. In the first movie? Yeah, in the first movie. He says the same line, and Ed acknowledges it and kind of giggles when he looks at Lorraine, which I, yeah. Lorraine wasn't in the room. She didn't hear the line, so it's kind of like a meta joke. But yeah. I, it was kind of cute, whatever. Um, but then the daughter's angle's absent, right? Yeah, they needed to make that parallel because that... that there's so much rich conflict to have there and such an interesting idea of like is this healthy for judy even if she doesn't turn evil just how is this affecting her and i would love for them to explore and they just don't right and it's always hinted at that uh the daughter's name is judy Uh it's always hinted at that judy is picking up some of lorraine's esp right like she's getting yes, some of her yes. powers and stuff, right? In the Conjuring Two, she like points at the nun. She's like, "Mom, who's that?" Yeah, that was That's actually great. the cool scene of the Conjuring Two. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. <laughs> wh- why did why wasn't she a main character in this? And why wasn't she the one responsible for facing down the Satanist to tell the audience that, "Hey, listen, this is a real fear that you guys don't need to have because you raised me right, right?" Also, yeah. because the priest. Um, the the priest has uh, uh, been smeared from the beginning. Uh, he he slept with a woman outside of the church's knowledge and had this kid out of wedlock. You know this bastard child, and he raised her in secret. The, the priest, what? Which priest? The oh wait, no, no. Oh, who? What's the name of the priest? Who? Uh... <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's call him the dude with chap lips. Yeah. So the dude with chap lips uh, had had a <laughs> child out of wedlock, and uh, I think I think the mother died in childbirth or something so he raises this daughter in secret in basically in the room with all the occult shit (laughs) right like in the house with all the occult shit and i guess he didn't lock the door or something so she gets in there she learns about it as he's as he's studying demonology like he's basically studying to become like the warrens but he fails at that and he also fails at uh helping his daughter who grows up to be a satanist and and builds an altar like altar like 10 steps away from his door which he would have easily found uh if he had, if he had gone into the caves at all he would have found the altar it was like 10 steps from his house yeah that's true yeah he could have found that pretty easily yeah. i mean no he knew about it he says he knew about it yeah i guess that's uh, better yeah he's just defending his daughter yeah he gets he he basically gets cucked <laughs> at the end of the movie also he's not he's a nothing non-entity at that point yeah he's he's broke at slit which is 
And it's like, whoa, I didn't think they would actually kill someone in this. That's crazy. And then I'm also just like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously this guy doesn't, isn't a real person. He, he, he and his daughter were both invented for the movie, um, which I'm fine with. I mean, I, I, I almost don't believe that Arnie would have been convicted in the world of The Conjuring 3 because mm. they like clearly show that they, well I mean I guess that you need to then draw the line and connect that like yes this satanist is the reason why he killed the guy and not that's just a weird coincidence mm. that this is also happening so so how do you feel about the Arnie character because the movie is kind of disingenuous in its ending it seems to imply yep. that the Warrens helping the lawyer to put forth this uh, the devil made me do it argument in court is the reason why he got manslaughter instead of murder and only went to prison for four years. Five years. And when in reality, yeah, the judge just threw that out immediately and said, this is nonsense. Yeah. The jury should not be given this. <laughs> there's no evidence to suggest there's demonology. Right. And that's none of that has to do with the reason why Arnie got out of prison. Yeah. He got, he got a reduced sentence because on the basis of self-defense instead that, uh, the, the, the guy he killed was being aggressive with um his his cousin. No, it was it was his girlfriend's cousin. Yeah, yeah with Debbie's yeah. cousin, uh, who is not in the movie. He he killed the guy, which is like a little yeah. bit of an overreaction, which is probably why he was still convicted. I don't know the details. Yeah, yeah. From from the little from the little bit I read on it, uh, they claimed that the landlord had uh, grabbed the nine year old and wouldn't let go of him while he's yes. belligerently drunk, and that uh, Arnie kind of probably lost his lost it in a pit of fit of rage and, and yeah stabbed pretty much with the knife um whether or not that happened i don't know i mean i i wasn't yeah there, there are several case files there were like three other people because there's the eight-year-old girl there's the, the who's the cousin there's the girlfriend debbie and i think that uh even the guy who died had um a brother there or something like that or mm. a sister or something like mm. there were more than just the three of them mm. in that house when he was killed mm. um they also changed his name for the movie which i think is good that not arnie's name the the victim's name they changed the victim's name um which i think is the first time they've changed someone's name in these movies can i say something else here uh can i say that i think the warrens are full of shit and bad people can we say that now yes they're awful people yeah they are absolutely, and when Patrick Wilson, when 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 Ed Warren is possessed in this movie, I think that's the closest thing we've ever had to the real mm. Ed Warren in these movies. I don't know if he, did he ever try to stab anyone or hit him with a sledgehammer? Is that in his history? Um, he allegedly hit her. Yeah, multiple times. I I don't I don't know that much about it, but I know that their love affair was anything but uh, common. Yeah, um, so he, so Ed Warren is a pedophile. Just going to get that out of the way. Well, is this all allegations? Is any of this proven? Uh, it's sworn testimony. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't proven in court or anything, was it? Well, because he was dead. So. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. But but we should talk about it. These are, yes. these are allegations with a lot of evidence yes. to back up, per se, that, that him and his wife had pretty much a, uh, an underage sex slave living with them for, for yeah. years or years until she was who, no longer who, underage and then was just an of age sex slave living with them um for four decades 40 years 
and her name it, her name is Judy Penny. Uh, it's just a coincidence that she has the same name as her daughter. She that this happened after her daughter was born. I looked that up because I was scared. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this uh, woman Judy Penny came forth. I think around the time the first movie was coming out, and revealed all this stuff that she was living they they gave her she originally was living across the hall from them in the early 60s and then they built her an apartment upstairs they say some nights ed would sleep downstairs and others he would sleep upstairs like it was it was really messed up uh lorraine warren just basically knew about it and enabled him the entire time there was a point in the late 70s early 80s where um allegedly allegedly uh, Judy was impregnated with Ed's uh, daughter, and Lorraine uh, bullied Judy Penny into getting an abortion. Like, when you read the account of it, it sounds like Penny hadn't decided what to do, and Lorraine basically made the decision for her, made her get an abortion, and then the same day they just went out to give a lecture and just left her alone. Um, like, it was just it, it, it hmm. so incredibly messed up when you read it. Um, Penny still seems to have feelings for Ed, yeah, which is like, yeah, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> well, it's like four decades. I, it's a whole lifetime. Uh, yeah. I mean, but beyond that, all, all that is technically conjecture. It's all allegations and unproven, which as dark as it is, there's a lot of evidence. To technically, suggest. but yeah, there's evidence from Times as well. They found evidence linking that some of this stuff uh, was brought up historically as well i think there was something but beyond that and more pertinent to the movie we're talking about is that it seems like they were just con artists who would go around collecting these stories trying to convince people of evil spirits and other fiction and then passing it on to uh create personal wealth and and fame yep and pretty much every single person they did this with, that they made a move, not everyone, but a few of them that they've done this with, who they later come out with a movie yeah. about have been like, yeah, it didn't happen that way, <laughs> like at all. Even the even the family, what are the parents from the first film? Oh, yeah. The, the she Perones. says that the, the Warrens didn't solve solve yeah. the case. They left and 10 years later. She apparently solved it with a seance, if you believe any of that, which I don't. No, I think the Warrens did a seance. It just didn't do anything because it was all made up. Um, yeah, the Perones have spoken very poorly of the Warrens. The Perones, who are the family from the first movie, mm-hmm. did not like the Warrens at all. Mm-hmm. There's a third Glatzel brother who was cut from the movie, Carl. He's cut most likely because he spent years saying constantly, no, the Warrens are a hoax, none of this really happened. Uh, and David Glatzel, who is the kid who was exercised in the beginning of the movie, uh, eventually sued the Warrens for like bringing up all these traumatic memories when they were writing a book and someone else as well. I forget his name. Mm. They're they're con artists. None of this is real, and which I mean, it all brings us back to what we were asking last week of like, is this okay? I like the movie. Like, if it, it is what what makes it okay to portray this as truthful mm. and accurate? well, I think this kind of begs a different question than just portraying a a historical account fictitiously um, and doing a disservice to the victims. But this is uh, deifying and glorifying um, two con artists and just all around bad people and changing the historical narrative to say that they were actually, well, they're good people. No, they they suck. 
everything about them sucks. And uh, to, to me, I think yeah, absolutely. if you really wanted to be responsible, which I, I'm really not that giant on, but if you really wanted to be responsible filmmakers, movie studios, uh, <laughs> then what you should do is change the name of the characters and just not do it about the Morans. Because what they did was they just yeah. regurgitated old stuff, just regurgitate old stuff and call them something else. Just steal from them because they just stole from everyone else, too. And all the all these yeah. ghost stories just steal from each other. It's like nothing new about it. Yeah, you could just make another super natural thing. Uh, I mean, they would lose the cloud of yeah, saying, absolutely. oh, we're doing Amityville in the beginning of our movie, etc. And doing that. So they can't they can't say it's based on historical events. But fair enough. I mean, this is based on historical events loosely and then it's changed fictitiously. And I'm fine with that. We have to hold the filmmakers responsible when they make bland movies, but not when they change historical facts. <laughs> exactly. That's that's my exact point. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Whorehounds. That concludes this mini-sode where we reviewed The Conjuring 3. Please uh, like and subscribe on our social media accounts, Cadaver Dogs Pod, and let us know what you think of the film. And please stick around for a sneak peek of next week's episode to find out what movies we'll be covering. Hey pups, it's Devin Shepard here, calling in from the road to let you know what films we'll be covering next week. Now, we highly suggest you watch these movies before listening, but if you don't, that's totally fine. You can still follow along with us. If you do end up watching, be sure to tweet us your thoughts at CadaverDogsPod. After a year of living on the internet, we thought it would be right to cover some web-based horror. That's why next week we'll be covering the 2018 film Cam and the 2001 J-horror film Cairo. Cam is an indie horror film about the life of a cam girl, written by an ex-cam girl. The film made a splash of the festivals until finding its home where else but the internet giant Netflix. Yeah, yeah, we know Netflix horror selection is, um, let's say hit or miss, but this gem is unique and gave us a lot to think about, especially when comparing it to Cairo, or Pulse, a film that follows an internet ghost who feeds off of loneliness. This is the original Pulse, before Americans remade it into a studio shit show. It was part of that J-horror craze in the early aughts with other films like Juman and Ringu. But Cairo didn't get the several sequels and reboots. And next week, we discuss why. Our next episode delves into the fear of loneliness in a changing technological world. Something we felt was very relevant and needs to continue to be talked about. We're going to cover some pretty heavy subject matter, and we hope we do it justice. So join us next Thursday for another episode of Cadaver Dogs. And don't forget to let us know your thoughts by contacting us on social media at Cadaver Dogs Pod.